0: good morning everybody. How y'all doing this morning? Amen. Praise the Lord. I like that. Here we go. Sing with me. Stand up. Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faith Stretches to the sky. Your righteousness like a mighty mountain. Your justice flows like the ocean tide. I will find my strength in the shadows. to have each and every one of you in the house this morning, especially those that are online as well. Y'all may have a seat if you can. I got a few announcements for you, just a couple announcements for you. Hey, next week, first I want to say, hey, man, if you're a guest here this morning, let's give it up for our guest in the house this morning. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And if you're here as a guest for the first time, just uh, there's a little card in the pew in front where you're sitting. If you would just care to fill that out. And uh, late at the end of the service, as you leave, there will be offering plates at the door. You just drop it in that offering plate. We would love for you to do that to record your visit this morning. So it's so good. And uh, hope everybody online at home is doing good. And they've got their little... Cup of coffee or whatever they're doing or bowl of cereal or maybe somebody's cooking breakfast or whatever. But anyway, but you guys are going to be into the word this morning and you get fed twice. That'll be good. That'll be an awesome thing. So, hey, listen, I got a very special uh, thing for you next Sunday morning. We got a special treat next Sunday morning that we've got Brian and Virginia Norman. Uh, Brother Norman was here before. If you remember, he did the Lucy bones. Remember that? When we did that here a while back, some time ago, he and his wife were going to be with us during the morning service next week. And they're going to share with us some things. You can see it in your your, uh, Sunday paper, the top right side of the page there. And uh, so make sure you prepare to come. Uh, You're going to be truly blessed uh, at the message that he and his wife want to share with us. She is a scientist professionally. And he is the theologian. And so we're going to kind of learn the truth uh, what truth uh, based on what science says and what the Word of God says and to, to show you that there's no contradiction between science and the Word of God. It's really an amazing thing. So just, uh, man, share with your friends. Uh, 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 ask people to come online and watch next week. We'll have it online as well. Uh, but then um, we ask you to come prepared. Uh, we're going to take up a love offering at the end of service for them. And uh, so we just want to encourage you to come and be part of that next week. It'll be a great, great time. All right. Our stuff, the bus is kind of over. Uh, we got a little bus out there. If you have some uh, remnant supplies for our kids at school, uh, just make sure you bring them by. You can bring them by here, especially like on Wednesday night when we're here. and The doors will be open. You can drop it in there if you haven't been able to do that. Uh, also, just want you to know, uh, the ladies last week and uh, women of worth on Wednesday night, how many uh, backpacks did you guys stuff with school supplies? Like, many. 24. So we got 24 backpacks that have been supplied uh, for Magnolia neighborhood. And uh, so, isn't that awesome? And Aaron, was it, uh, Aaron Woods? Heron. Heron Woods is another uh, neighborhood that we've supplied some backpack supplies for some of the children because, after all, they're going back to school real soon, right? So I think, what, August 20th they're supposed to go back, I believe. So anyway, it's all good. So um, everybody happy this morning? Some of you I can see smiling and some of you I can't, and I understand that. So I'm sure you're smiling underneath, so uh, that's really good. Well, i tell you what, let's all stand up. And when you stand up, I want you to turn around and wave to everybody online back there. That would be, they would love that this morning. (laughs) Uh, Brother Bill, I don't think they'll see you back there, all right? All right, let's sing a little bit. I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus. the truth this morning and it's the truth this morning man uh, to tell the old old story of Jesus and his love I have a maker he formed my heart before even time he can my life was his hand he knows my name he knows my every thought he sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call I have a father, he calls me his own, he'll never That falls and hears me when I call. I call Y'all believe that this morning? <laughs> Let's do that song again. I just like that. And I want you just to worship the Lord as we do this song. I have a maker Listen to it. He formed our hearts Before he even time Big <laughs> hand. Thank you for all you've done Lord you hear us Lord you never leave us You never abandon us Lord there's nothing Lord that Nothing ever occurs to you God No there's no surprises with you God Our creator Our Lord Our savior Our redeemer Lord you loved us You love us with an everlasting love There's not a time In our past There's not a time in our present today there's not a time in the future that you don't ever change. You don't, you love us. You love us so much. Lord, we just want to take this time out right now just to thank you, God, for all that you're doing, all the blessings in our life. Lord, we are so blessed. We're blessed beyond measure. And, Lord, I, we just want to hear your voice this morning, God. We want you just to... Lord, uh, just to purify our hearts to where we can hear your voice this morning, Lord. Sometimes we can go through a week. We might have had a, a horrible week. We might have had a terrible week, Lord, where it seems like nothing seems to fit. It's like, uh, like sometimes maybe, it, uh, maybe our financial status is not where it should be or where we want it to be or where we desire it to be. And, uh, and Lord, uh, maybe our relationships are not what they should be. Lord, sometimes with our spouses, sometimes with friends. Maybe our relationships are not what they should be. Lord, maybe it's our relationship with you, God, holy God, who loves us and gave his life for us. Maybe our relationship is not sown to you, God, like it should be. It's not close enough with you. Lord, today, uh, it's a a different day. It's a new day. And, Lord, we know based on your word our Leviticus that your mercies are new. When? Every day single morning. And Lord, it's my prayer, God, that you would just do your perfect work in your house this morning, in this house, in the house, the temple, our bodies, Lord, whether we're here in this sanctuary or whether we're at home watching online. Lord, that you would visit us, visit the most central part of our hearts and our minds, God, and speak your truth into us this morning that we might hear from you, oh holy God. Lord, we thank you for this time. None of us in this room, including this pastor, are perfect. None of us are perfect. That's why we needed a perfect Savior. Because of your perfection. Because of your perfection, Jesus, that you were able to shed your precious blood to forgive all of us sinners of every sin we've ever committed. Lord, may we never... Lose the joy of our first love as the book of Revelations teaches us. May we never lose our first love. May we be taken back to that moment, that time in our past, Lord, where, Jesus, we we just bowed our head and we just cried out to you and said, Jesus, I need to be saved. Jesus, I need you. And by just openly coming humbly before you, Jesus, you lavished your love on us to the death of On the cross, through the blood that was shed, Lord, to remove our sin. And, Lord, you covered us with that blood. You bring comfort to us to know that we have everlasting life. And it's only because of you. There's nothing that we could ever do to make ourselves right with you, God. Nothing. It's impossible. We're scarred. We're marred. We're stained. But, Lord, you send a perfect one, unstained by the world, full of holiness, God. To be the lamb that was led to the slaughter on our behalf. We thank you this morning for this time together. And we thank you for your word. I pray if there's anyone here today that's never, there's never been a time in their past like I've mentioned where they've asked you to be Lord and Savior of their life. That maybe today would be that day. I believe that today would be that day. and we would come clean, come fresh and anew and know, God, you are Everlasting God who loves us. We can be forgiven. We just have to ask. We don't have because we don't ask. That's what your word teaches us. May we all ask this morning. Lord, and make sure that we are saved. Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for all that you're about to do here. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, what? Amen. Let me get some of this stuff out my eyes here. Hey, listen, it's good to have everyone in the house today. I'm excited that you guys are here. I'm excited what God is doing here at Hills Church. Uh, We're going to be having, we're going to announce here before too long. We're going to have a business meeting. Uh, We're finishing up getting our bylaws and all these things done. So we can have a business meeting. Some of you are kind of wondering about how everything's going with the transition to Hills Church from, uh, from Cornerstone Hills Campus, and it's going great. Uh, we made a lot of the transition and everything uh, so far, uh, with the exception of like our bylaws and constitution, and uh, we're trying to get that all together so we can get with all of you and disseminate it out to you so you guys can look it over and we can have a meeting to vote on it and we need to do that i think was it 60 days after we get our incorporation and we have been incorporated so we're going we're doing that so just keep praying for us as we do that as a leadership team come together and we're trying to make decisions on behalf of what's best for this church this church body the, the hills church that's all of you hills church And so I just think it's so awesome. So we've been talking about, and one of my big things that I've been trying to do the last couple weeks is to try to share a vision. You know, our vision at Hills Church is to, to love God with all what? Our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, right? Everything that we are, to love God and to do what? And to love others, what? As ourselves. To love neighbors, right? Until we do what? Until we reach the unity of the faith, here on earth and in heaven, ultimately, right? That's the vision. That's what we're trying to do. Love God, win others to, to Jesus Christ. And the mission of the church is to believe, belong, and become. How many of you remember what believe is, stands for? What is it? Believe in who? Believe God, right? And if we truly believe God, what do we do? We worship him. And how do we worship him? Just what I just said. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven says, love God with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, everything that you are. That's how you love God. That's how you worship him. In fact, in Romans 12, it talks about in Romans 12 that we are to present our bodies. I see bodies in here this morning, right? There's blood flowing through them, right? You got blood pumping through your bodies, right? And he says you are to be a living, what, sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. That's what he's he's called all of us to be. That's true worship. It's a lifestyle of how we live our life every single day as we walk the walk and we talk the talk. We live to glorify the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. That's our whole mission in life. We're to do that. We're to do that. And then secondly, we talked about belong. Where do we belong? Together, right? So we belong together, and we talk mainly about discipleship in that. Remember the three chairs, right? We have the table. What what does the table represent? The church. And And there's one chair at the table that belongs to me. I'm the dude with the what? The food, right? The food, the Word of God. I'm the dude with the food, right? I deliver the food. I deliver the goods to you. That you would hear the Word of God and that you would feed upon the Word of God. There was another chair. The first chair was called the seeker chair. Those are the people that come in. You may be a guest here this morning. You may not know Jesus as your Savior. Most of the seekers that come in don't know Jesus as their Savior, but they're seeking. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to find out, who is this God? What has this God done for me? What has this God done for everybody else? Why can't I sense his presence? Why can't I know that he's here? I feel so empty inside. And you're trying to discover who Jesus is and who God is in your life. That's that secret chair. And then there's another chair. It's called the new believer chair. It was the second chair. It's the person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. And they're brand new little baby Christian. They're born again, the Bible says. Born from where? From above. Spiritual birth. We all need a spiritual birth because, listen, we're spiritually dead when we're born. We have a hole. It's in our life because of what happened back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. They ate the forbidden fruit. God told them not to eat of that fruit or they would surely die. And so they ate of that fruit and sin enters into humankind, to mankind. Sin enters into their life, and everybody born is born into a life of sin. This is why you can look at a child and say, don't do that. A little baby, don't get that cookie out of there. Where does he learn to do that? Because, listen, we are lost without hope in this world when we're born into this world. We have a dead spirit. We're a living body. We have a soul. It's who we are, a personality. But we have a dead spirit. And this is why Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come to give his life as a ransom for all of us so that we would be born again, born from above. When we receive Jesus and his death on the cross for salvation, listen, we come to know Jesus as our Savior. He takes all of our shame. He takes all of our guilt. He takes all of our failures. He gives us forgiveness. He takes all of our guilt. He gives us grace, as we talked about last week. He gives us everything that we need to be secured underneath his umbrella. That when you receive Jesus as Savior, the blood of Jesus that was cast out for out of his body for all of our sin, it covers you and it covers me when we see we we receive Jesus as our Savior. So that when you live the rest of your life and God looks down at you, what's the first thing he sees? He sees the blood of his Savior Jesus, the perfect one, as a blanket over your body. Paid in full as what Jesus did on the cross. So I'm grateful for what? That we belong to Jesus. We belong to him as Christians. Discipleship is what we do. In fact, in Matthew 28, 20, he said, listen, it's about teaching them to what? Obey all that I've written. And he said he would be with us how long? To the end of the age. Teaching, that's discipleship. This is what we do here. This is what we do in small groups when our church is meeting again, right? Right? Hopefully soon. I hope soon it will be. I don't know, but I'm praying. Lord, just lift this up and we'll be able to meet together again. And listen, and uh, and that's what we do. We meet together. Whether we're in a house somewhere or in here, we do some Bible study, we pray. Listen, it's about belonging together. As Christians, we belong together. That's why he said in Hebrews, not to forsake what? The assembling of yourselves together. These circumstances is we can still not forsake to send ourselves together. Those of you are here, and you feel safe to be here and comfortable to be here, and I'm thankful that you're here. Those that are online, I'm thankful that you're there. But you're still with us. We might be disconnected, but hey, praise the Lord for the technology and what we have where we can come together every Sunday morning at 10.30 and Wednesday night at 6.30. We can do that. And I praise the Lord for that. Today, we're going to be looking at our third and final uh, B for our mission statement. You've got believe, belong, and the next one is what? It's become. Become what? Become servants of the Lord. You are to be a servant. God has called each and every one of us in the world today as Christians to become servants. We serve others. That's how we serve God, by serving others. That's called ministry or service, that's ministry. That's in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, when Jesus said, he told, he said, you shall love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said the second commandment is just as important as the first commandment is to do what? It's to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do you love your neighbor as yourself? Well, if you're truly loving yourself the right way, that means you're loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, everything that you are. So if you love yourself that way and you love god that way you should love your neighbor the same way that you love god And what I love about that is it takes kind of really you out of that picture There's your vertical relationship with god we talked about and your horizontal relationship with mankind It ties the old the ten commandments the first four commandments are your vertical relationship The last six are your horizontal relationship with mankind and that's how god and jesus summed it all up in those two commands To love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) I think Jesus is a genius, don't you? (laughs) I think he knows what he's talking about, don't you? I do, man. I love it. He made it so simple for us. A little child that's three years old can understand this. Can understand why he came. Can understand their sinfulness can understand that they're helpless and hopeless without a Savior. And they can understand that Jesus even came for them. And they can turn their life. I know I've baptized three-year-olds before. And I've asked them questions, and they knew it almost better than I knew it. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a child. They have to believe. We're to become what? We're to become servants of the Lord. Not only that, we're also to become witnesses. If we're a witness of Jesus, that's evangelism. you probably heard the word evangelism before. Or the evangelist came to this church. They did a revival all week, right? He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching about salvation, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, trying to win souls for Jesus Christ. Our witness should be the same thing. We are all evangelists at heart. We should be all sharing the story of Jesus. We share the story of Jesus through our conversation when we meet people. We share the joys through our conduct and how we live our life. And when they look at us they say, man, they don't do the same things most of the world does. Why is that? Through our character. We should have an upright character, a pure, holy character, living our life to please what? The audience of one, a holy God. Not to please everybody else. Please God. Ministry, witnessing, that's what we must do. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 19, he said to go and make disciples. That's your your witnessing right there. Go, tell the story through your life. Your life should be his message. Man, there's nothing greater than that. Your life must be his message. That's what he's called all of us to do. And I have to ask you, is your life his message? Is it? And we're going to look more pointedly at it because if it's not, there's, a, there's an issue that we have and it's called commitment. Commitment is a hard thing in our world today. There seems to be a lack of commitment and we see it everywhere. Sometimes we see a lack of commitment from children to their parents, from spouses to their own spouses, that there's a lack of commitment there. Commitment, a lack of commitment from, 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 from us as humans to our commitment to a holy God. And we're going to share and talk a little bit about that this morning. Many of you are saved, and you know it, right? You're saved? Amen. And you know that you're saved. You know that your blood bought, right? You're saved. You believed and you received Jesus at salvation. You trusted in his shed blood for the forgiveness of your sin. Man, if you've done that, you're saved this morning. You know that. Your position is secure. In what? In his death and his burial and his resurrection. You're a Christian because of his death, burial, and resurrection. You believe that he had died for you. Your name is written in this book called the Lamb's Book of Life. As annotated in Revelation 21 and 27 and Revelation 3, listen, verses 4 and 5. You know you are heaven-bound. Amen? Man, I know I'm heaven-bound. So here's a question I have for us today that I want you to ponder. I want you to listen very closely to this question. Has there ever been a time in your life following your salvation experience that you personally made a personal, conscious commitment to making Jesus Lord of your life? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. When we commit our life to Jesus Christ, actually when we do that, we should be making him Lord of our life. But many times in churches today, we get saved by the blood of the Lamb, and he thoroughly saves you. The Bible says he seals you until the day of redemption. If you truly trust in his sacrificial death on the cross and his burial, his resurrection, He resurrection, and you truly believe in that, he saves you. But then we live a life where Jesus also requires for us, for him to be Lord of our life. Lord of our life. You watch them old movies from the Middle Ages. Lord so-and-so. Very respectful. Lord submissiveness to the Lord. Jesus is to be Lord of our every part of our life. Everything. He's a Lord of our life. And so when I, when I look at this, you know, are you willfully, are you deliberately, no matter what the consequences, have you made a definite decision to surrender all of your life and will to him as Lord? And this is a very pointed question because, listen, and if anything, it'll probably stir all of our hearts in here this morning. We need to think about yesterday. Was Jesus Lord of your life yesterday? Was Jesus Lord of your life Friday? Was Jesus the Lord of your life Thursday? Come on, go back. Wednesday? How about Tuesday? How about Monday? How about last Sunday? Oh, yeah, I was in church. (laughs) Right? Doesn't that happen sometimes? It does. It happens sometimes. So listen, think about it. See, we're talking about commitment here. It's about commitment, it's like a marriage. Like a marriage, it's not the world's marriage. The world's marriage is like this. Get married. If you're not happy, split up and go your separate ways. That's the world's marriage. That's the world. That's not God. God's marriage, listen, it's covenantal. It's one where you have a covenant with a holy God. He's like your ultimate witness. He's like. God's intention for us in marriage is to stay together. There are situations that come up, I understand. And he made provision for that. But but listen, when we think about commitment, there must be a commitment. There must be a commitment. When you get saved, there must be a commitment. Commitment. Have you made a total commitment to God as Lord? To do ministry, we have to be able to do that. If you don't have a total commitment where Jesus is your Lord... How's he going to speak to your heart and tell you what to do and where to go to be that effective witness for him? If if he's not your Lord, he's got to be Lord. I used to have my pastor up in North Carolina say, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. That's something to think about. It should stir your heart. See, commitment is a deliberate, willful laying down oneself, yielding, trusting, a full surrender to what? To Him. Amen? That's what it should be. In fact, remember Romans 12, 1 that we talked about when we talked about belief? Listen to what it says in there. It says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Boy, God's mercies are new every morning, right? To present your what? Bodies. Who you are as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to who? To God, which is your spiritual, reasonable act of service of worship for you. That is so reasonable. Think about it. What did he do for you? Man, he shed his blood for you. He saved your life. I think I think all of us giving our life over to Him in surrendership to make Him him Lord of our life, I think that's something that we can do. Submit to the Lord. He is Lord. Whether you think so or not, He is still Lord. That's something else we need to think about too. In other words, He's saying here in Romans 12, you have entrusted your inside being deliberately deliberately and willfully laying down oneself. You need to lay down your life for him. Unto someone else, right, as Lord of your life. Jesus, this is who we're talking about. Taking your hands off the wheel, so to speak, giving total control over to someone else. Jesus. Listen, you have, have you surrendered all you are to Jesus Christ? Do you know him as Lord? And Savior. Ministry requires this. There are different levels of commitment. Y'all know that? I mean, think about this. There are different levels. You could be totally committed today, right now in this room, totally committed today, and then the Holy Spirit will speak to you to do something else. Maybe a little greater, bigger, larger task. More of an impossible task, right? And it would cause you to think about your commitment. It would raise your commitment level of whether you do it or not. And so many times we'll be right here on this little plateau right here. Oh, I'm committed, I'm committed. Then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, do this or do that. Now you've got to step back and reevaluate. When you shouldn't reevaluate, you just say, yes, Lord. Every time. Yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. You have to surrender everything that you are. You either will or you will not do it. That means your commitment level will rise. Every time you're either committed to it or not. Many people who are saved are committed to doing their own thing. They're out there doing whatever they want to do. They're committed to doing their own thing. Do you know that that's not even in the Bible? That's not even biblical. It's not scriptural. There's nothing in the Bible that says you should be doing your own thing. The Bible teaches through and through, cover to cover, you're to do His thing in every way. He wants us to do his thing. He's the Lord of all creation. Think about what he has given you and me. Man, he's given you life and breath and heartbeat and family and friends, church, family. He's given you salvation. He's given you so much kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, some of you. Awesome, man, what God has blessed you so much with. Living in a country that's the freest country on the planet, even though it may not look like it. And the devil hates it. And he's trying to divide and conquer and destroy on every turn. Trying to eliminate God from everything. We've got to take a stand. So my question for you today is, listen, where are you this morning? Where are you this morning? Where do you find yourself? Are you saved but doing your own thing, your own way, how, what you want, what your personal preference is? Are you a saved today and you're living out God's principles the best way that you know how? Surrender to the lordship of Jesus, allowing Jesus to be the Lord of your life. That's a huge question today. I want to help you to understand this this morning. Because if we're going to do ministry, if we're going to be witnesses, we've got to have an understanding about who God is. And we're going to talk about who he is. There are many doing their own thing, and it's not in the Bible. It's all about His thing every single time. So where are you today when it comes about thinking about His thing? Many will live their whole life. Many people who call themselves Christians will live their whole life, and they'll they'll be missing the very best that God has for them. That holy perfect God has for them, listen, to, to fulfill whatever that desired purpose is that God has for you as an individual. People will go to their graves full of untapped potential that God has placed inside of them in service for his glory that never gets tapped out, and they die, and they've never discovered, never used it, never exercised it. And so the cemetery is, is the richest place on the planet. And I want us to think about that. Is that you? I want us to look into Exodus. So turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to talk about a man you're very familiar with, and his name is Moses. Like I said that, Moses. Get that deep voice in there, Moses, right? Turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And listen, Moses had to answer some questions. He had to have some questions answered for him. And just like Moses, we also had to have some questions answered for us. In Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 1, it says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness And came to Horeb, the mountain of God. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. How strange is that? And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, Hmm. I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight. Why the bush is not burned up. And then verse 4. Listen. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And what did Moses say? What will we say? Here, here I am. Here, here, here I am. Here I am. How will we respond to that? Now Moses comes. Think about Moses. Moses comes from the power and the influence of Pharaoh's household. Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We know the story. Moses, eventually what happens, he grows up. He kills an Egyptian and is sent out to the backside of the desert for some 40 years. This is right before we read this here in Exodus 3. He sent out to the banks the this for 40 years. So think about this. He grew up in Pharaoh's household. Remember, he was found in the bulrushes, in the basket. Remember, they were pitching babies in the river because there were so many Jews, Israelites. And so Moses is in a basket, weaved by his mother, sent out, and then one of Pharaoh's daughters plucks him from the Nile River and becomes her child, basically, as he grows up. In the influence of Pharaoh and his household. He grows up. He realizes who he is. He kills an Egyptian who is working on some Israelites. And then he's thrust out into the desert for 40 years as a punishment. And so he's in the desert for those 40 years. Look at verse 4 again. It says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He said, here I am. You've got to realize that God, I'm thinking 40 years is a long time to be wandering around trying to figure things out, right? 40 years is a long time. Denise told him she is. You know what? I I think God just needed to get the Egypt out of him. Right? I said, that's so true, honey. It took him a long time to get that Egypt out of him. To get it out of him. Get his eyes focused back on who God was. So the first thing we see here through the burning bush is God speaks to Moses. Many times God speaks to you and to me all the time. And we don't hear him sometimes, right? Sometimes we just don't. He's just hard to hear. Why? I'll tell you why. Because sometimes we get too busy. We're too busy doing life. We're too busy cleaning up after kids. We're too busy with our jobs. We're too busy retiring. We're too busy doing this, that, and the other, going to and fro here and there. We got all these deadlines. We got all these things to do. And we do them, do them, do them, do them. And we get so busy that we never take time out for the creator, God, who created you and gave you everything that you have so that you can spend some quality time with him and hear his voice. God wants you to hear his voice. There are serious ramifications, listen, to Moses turning to the bush and hearing God's voice. You know how serious those things are? This is how serious they are. If you're saved, you're going to thank the Lord for Moses' obedience. Because what lineage did Jesus come out of? The lion of the tribe of what? Judah. Think about this. They're still his slave. five hundred years later, we get to be saved because of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming from the Israelites. Huge ramifications. We are a result of ones obeying God. Some 3,500 years ago, Moses obeyed. He's called the Jesus, the Messiah. So here's the question. So why does it seem as Christians that we are not making That impact in the world today. Churches everywhere, you know, churches are half full, some are full, some places, but do you really see the impact of what's being made today? There's like no influence. You ever ask yourself that compared to reading these stories, when we read these stories in the Bible, how thousands of people, like when Peter preached in the book of Acts in Jerusalem, and 3,000 people are saved, and then 5,000 people are saved. Next thing you know, you got twenty and 30,000 people in Jerusalem saved. Then a dispersion comes. They disperse out. They go to Antioch. They go to place Samaria. They go to the uttermost parts of the earth, which is what God called us and commissioned all of us to do. And these guys go out, and people are getting saved, and it's spreading like wildfire from Jerusalem to Europe to Asia to America. And it's going everywhere. And here we are. We sit here. You think about with all of our modern technology that we have today, there should be more people getting saved like crazy, right? With all that we have, you would think that the church would be more powerful than it is. Amen? Why then? This is why, because we are not under his total control fully. We have not submitted. We have not committed. We are not committed to Jesus as our Lord. And it's so important for us to get this this morning. To be devoted, committed to Jesus as our Lord, we must be able to answer four questions this morning. So I want you to pay attention to these four questions and and think about how you would answer these questions. You ready? Put your seatbelt on. Here we go. Number one, fill it in. Who is this God? Moses had to, he turned and he looked and he saw, like, who is this God? Who, who is this God that's speaking to me through a burning bush? How crazy is that? Who is it that's speaking to this burning bush? God, who are you? You know, the one that is challenging your soul, even this very moment, is speaking to your heart right now. You and I live under divine authority. Listen, Moses, like you and I, had to answer this very simple question. God, who are you? Who is this God? Who is it? I want you to look at verse 6. Skip down and look at verse 6. Here's the answer. In verse 5, remember when he approached God in the burning bush, God looked at him and said, Moses, take off your shoes for you're on what? Holy ground. He established his authority right there. Man, you're on holy ground, dude. I can drop you like a gnat. Moses, you're on holy ground. Did Moses obey? Took his, took his sandals off, right? I'm sure he did. Or we wouldn't have the rest of the story. Not this story. So God here tells Moses who he is. Verse 6, he said also, he goes, I am the God of your father, Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Think about that. He was afraid to look at God. I would say that God got Moses' attention, don't you? Definitely got his attention. How? By identifying himself to Moses. He let Moses know exactly who he was. He says, I am. That's all you need to know is I am that I am. You don't need to know anything else. God is. He always was. He is today, and he always will be God. That's all we need to know. Moses, like you and I, had to know first who God was. We need to know that as well. Who that was calling him. Have you been called by God lately? Maybe not like Moses. Maybe he's calling you in the inner chambers of your heart and you can feel him squeezing on your heart. Maybe he's speaking to your heart. Listen, man, answer. Relinquish control. Let him have it. Best advice I give you is surrender. You don't even need a white flag for that. Just do it. Right? Do it. Surrender. Most people have no commitment because they truly don't know who God is. Who it is that requires all authority in our lives. He requires all authority of us. He he needs to be all the final authority. Four times God identifies himself to Moses. And once you see this, look at verse 14. Look down at 14. He said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's what he's supposed to tell the Israelites, right? Look at verse 15. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations, including 2020 generations today. Hasn't changed. Look at verse 16. Number four Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt. See, God is the self-existent one. There's no God beside him. There's no other gods. If there's any other gods that you make for yourself, they're immaterial. Listen, they're nothing. They're not a god. Your work is not a god. Your luxuries are not a god. Your cars are not god's. Your children are not gods. Your parents are not gods. There's only one God, and we're to worship him in spirit and in truth. One. He's a sovereign of the universe. God, the God, Moses, is your authority. Think about this for a minute. Just think about this for a minute. Where did Moses' authority come from to guide nearly three million Jews from captivity in Egypt to the promised land three million people could you guide three million people from here to New York no way so where does the authority come from think about it sensibly, sensibly how could Moses perform such a feat how could he do it by God only God of course he had to make Pharaoh listen just ten little plagues that's all Right? Y'all know the story. It's incredible. Incredible. God. Listen, Moses had to provide food daily. How was food provided daily? Manna. What is it? Water daily. All the way to the promised land. Think about this for a minute. Through the barren wilderness. Anybody ever been in a desert? I've been in a desert. There's nothing there. Nothing. Nothing. Through the barren wilderness desert, there's nothing out there. But Moses obeyed. You know, it reminds me of a story. <laughs> I heard the story a long time ago. You may have heard it already. Of uh, people traveling in the desert. They were in the desert and they were out there and they had ran out of water and they were traveling days, and days, and they were very parched and very, very thirsty, like deathly thirsty. Right? They had no water. They were out. They needed, and they come across. They come upon this. Uh, It wasn't really an oasis, but it was a a building that was sitting out there, and inside this building was a pump. Now, there was a pump in the desert for somebody to get water from, and they were very thirsty. Now, think about how thirsty you've ever been. If you go without water, just a matter of a day or two, a couple of days, you're going to be very mighty thirsty, right? When they opened up that door and they saw the pump, there was a sign on the pump. The sign on the pump said, Right below the pump is a jug filled with water. If you want water, you've got to pour that water to prime the pump. Now what would you do if you were thirsty? Would you drink the water or would you pour it in the pump? <laughs> the smart person would be to trust In the pump. If you want water, you want enough water for you to sustain you, I will want more water. Pour the water in the pump, prime the pump, then you get all the water you need. And the only thing they asked you to do was to fill the jug back up and set it back down. Think about that for a minute. Moses obeyed God, God was Moses' entire authority of his life. We need to obey God. Sometimes things don't make sense. Man, I need water. Uh, But this thing is saying, prime the pump, and you get all the water you ever want. Just fill the jug back up. If you drank all the water out of the jug, how long would you last? Not long, right? Amen. That's kind of what they're saying with that sign. (laughs) You want water to help you? Prime the pump. Many times God calls you and I, and we draw a line in the sand. We'll draw a line in the sand of how committed we are or would be. Who are we really to draw lines? Why do we draw lines? When you receive Christ as Savior, you lost all your rights to your own body, to your own mind, your own heart from doing your own thing. For real, you did. God must be the final and all authority in and through your life. His word commands that. His word demands that. No one or nothing else should get to interfere with what God has commanded and called you to do. How many of you would have told your boss where to go? And maybe some of you have. And I would say, How'd that work out for you? Right? Y'all need money to live, right? Something you don't like, you just kind of grin and bear it until you find something else. Now think about that. Do you value a paycheck? So I have another question. Do you believe the God you worship is that God who has saved you and bought or purchased your entire life? Do you believe that this morning? Listen, you no longer have the right to yourself when you become a believer in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he purchased your life with his life. He exchanged his life for all of our lives. He redeems you back from where you're at. You ever redeem something at the store? That's what he did. When he died on that cross and you were seeing the say, he bought your life back in oneness with the Holy God. So who is this God that challenges you? And I live under his divine authority. That's the first question. Who is God? Who, church? Who is he? I am that I am. That's who God is. He's final and full authority for everything. Second question, number two. This is one that Moses had to, uh, you know, he had to answer this for himself too. It's this, Is who am I? Who are you? Who am I? We have to ask that question. God chose Moses from the very beginning. Listen, before the foundation of the earth, he chose Moses to be the deliverer of the nation of Israel, to rescue three million people thereabouts from slavery in Egypt for 480 years and come across the Red Sea, and they saw many feats and wonders and signs, which would, to me, astound me that they would still walk away from God when you see a whole ocean part, and you walk on dry land across this red sea peninsula and you walk i listen i've flown right over top of that thing boy i'm telling you you could see it you could see where it could lay i'm thinking man how could they not believe god how could they grumble and complain when they weren't getting food or they were hungry or thirsty how could they god was with them providing them their sustenance to live every single day making sure they would make it to the promised land if they would just heed and obey his voice that's what that's what he did Who am I? You will never understand and grasp who you are until you can identify yourself with the person of Jesus Christ. You want to know who you are? Get right with Jesus. You understand that you're a helpless sinner and you need a Savior. And Jesus is your Savior. The God who created you in His image. Listen, to bear His image to the world. We were created to bear His image to the world. God wants you to see yourself as a somebody. Now, sometimes we see ourselves as nobody. Even Christians will come into church and see ourselves as a nobody. No, you are uniquely you, designed by God. You are uniquely you, and God wants to use you for some purpose. But we got to allow God the, the opportunity to do the priority in our life to be used by God. Listen, God says you are a redeemed child of God. Amen? You're redeemed. He says, You are a sealed saint. You are a saint. You're no longer a sinner when you get saved and the blood of Jesus Christ comes on you. He seals you. He says, You're a saint. Look at Paul's letters when he writes to the saints of Galatia, saints of Philippi, saints. Saints. We're all saints because we are Jesus' children. You are a disciple of Jesus. You are a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are justified, declared righteous by Him. You are set apart, unified for service unto Him to build His kingdom. That's you. That's me. That's forever. How awesome is that? He says, These are my beloved bought with the blood at Calvary. How awesome is that? That's you. That's me. God is to be and must be the final authority in all of our life. We are covered. We talked about who God is. He says, I am that I am. Who am I? My relationship with Jesus, chosen by God. And here's the third question is this. To whom do I belong? To whom do I belong? We always seem to tell God, you are calling the wrong person, God. You can't use me, no siree, not I, not me, me, how can you use me? I'm nothing, look what I've done. And you're the very one that God really wants to use. The Bible says he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of wise people. He takes the littlest things, he takes the things that think they're so insignificant. Listen, I'm a living testimony of that. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. It's amazing what he does. Who brought Moses into the world as a baby? God did. Through the bulrushes, God did. You see, God made Moses ready. God was making Moses ready to rescue three million people from the captivity of Egypt. He thought he doesn't want to do no less for you than he did for Moses. But we've got to give him a chance, give him an opportunity. God is going to send him back to Egypt to free his chosen people here. That's what Moses' task is going to be. And Moses is like, what? Listen, listen, he didn't, he didn't feel he was even capable of doing that. Listen to what he says in Exodus 4, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been, what, eloquent. Think about this for a minute. Is this a picture of you sometimes? I'm not eloquent. Neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. Listen to what he says. For I am slow of what? Speech and slow of tongue. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise. Listen, most of you don't even know this. When I grew up in fifth grade, Man, I had a stuttering problem. I had such a stuttering problem that I couldn't even talk to anybody. I couldn't get it out. It wouldn't come out without stuttering. And then it embarrassed me. Fifth grade teacher had me stand in front of class with a history book. First word was the, with has a T in the front. I'd stand there tongue-tied. I couldn't say it. Couldn't do nothing. What happened? Yep, kids started laughing at me kids started laughing at me you know what happened to me i became introverted can you imagine that (laughs) i'm telling you can you imagine that i was introverted man i was the shy kid i was didn't talk to nobody because i could not speak i couldn't open my mouth and say two words without stuttering you know i carried that into the military In the military, man, there were times where I just could not speak. I kept pressing on, persevering, kept moving on. Man, I worked in the most elite battle staff in the entire world forces with the Joint Special Operations Command. I worked on a battle staff of special operations, and I would have to get up in front of four-star generals. I'd get in front of four-star generals, right, and had to give a briefing. And listen, and there were times when I'm sitting there and I got four four-star generals sitting in front of me, joint chiefs guys, and I'm giving a briefing about how we're going to do these ground activities for an airfield seizure somewhere. You know what would happen to me? I would start briefing, and then there would be certain words would come up and I'd lock up. You know how embarrassing that was? You know what God did though? I was saved at that time. He'd give me another word just that quick, different word and you know and not one time those generals ever said anything to me about it, they probably noticed, they probably noticed where I'd get hung up but they were gracious, they were good I'm thinking about Moses, you know Lord I can't, I can't even speak right listen to what God does, come on I'm standing in front of you as a living witness of what the power of God can do through you. Don't tell me you can't talk to people. Don't tell me you don't know what to say. Truth is, none of us know what to say, truly. We've got to depend on God in us. He's got to be the final authority. You've got to get underneath God and let God be God of your life and let him direct your life. And listen, He will listen, you will reap blessings and benefits and everything. In the good times and the bad things, he'll never leave you, forsake you. He was always there to see you through and to give you a word and to give you something to bring glory to his name every single time. It's amazing what God has done. It's amazing what God is still doing. I think about what he's doing here at Hills Church. God is doing an amazing thing here, even though it's in the midst of COVID. Listen, we've been doing some great things here. Man, we just did a bunch of backpacks for a neighborhood. That's a low-income neighborhood to give to kids so they'll have backpack supplies to go to school with. Praise the Lord. And we put little tracks and things in there to help lead them to Jesus. Praise the Lord. We need to do that. I want you to write this down. I I think I put it up there. I got a little quote here I thought was really good. I don't even know who wrote it. It says, God will never lead you where his grace cannot provide for you or his power cannot protect you. Think about that. God will never lead you where his grace cannot provide for you, or his power cannot protect you. Leave up there for a minute, Danny. God will never lead you, think about this, where his grace cannot provide for you. It's by the grace of God I can stand up here and be your pastor. And his power does protect each and every one of us as we submit to his authority. He equips those he calls. He's called each and every one of you to something. And he's equipped you for it. But you've got to trust him. 1 Corinthians six 19, you've heard me quote this many, many times. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. You've got to submit. Understand, you've got to submit. Listen, son, you belong to God. Daughter, you belong to a holy God. The source of all you and all you have is from who? It's from holy God. The height of pride is for you to decide how you will live and give your life. When you decide that for yourself, that's the height of pride. I'm going to do what I want to do. And you're going to reap the consequences of what you sow more than you sow, later than you sow, every time. You must blindly say, yes, 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 Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm doing what you want me to do, yes. The answer to the call of Christ is yes, yes, yes. Every single time you just say, yes, Lord. Now for the last question, you ready? Why am I here? Why am I here? You see, we must settle these four questions in our lives. Moses was rescued from the bulrushes to accomplish his work. God sanded and sifted and removed the pride in his life. He did that. Personal ownership of yourself. you got to get it. you got to empty yourself into God until you answer yes, yes, yes. Listen, this is a great place to be when God is shaping you and molding you and setting you. And some of you are in that place right now where you're trying to figure it out. But that's a great place to be because God wants to give you the answer. He wants to, he wants to sift you and to sand you and to get you to find out to trust in him with all your life. Just think, 80 years old is when Moses' ministry began. Think about this. He went to Egypt from the backside of the desert, and he was 80 years old when God called him to go back to Egypt. 80 years old. And he lived another 40 years. Obeying God. God has a plan for your life. God's not going to take you out of this world before he's ready to take you out of this world unless you do some foolish things. You are to empty yourself, to be prepared for his ministry. God is trying to mold you, make you, shape you. He wants that. Listen to him. You're 73, and you don't know why God is leaving you here. That's a shame. You got to be careful what you say. You should already know that why you're here. Everyone from 16 to 100 should know why they're here. In this room, everybody, online, everybody should know why you are here. Why am I here? Why am I here? It's to glorify God with your life. It's so simple. Amen? It is. If you don't know why you are here, Jesus will never be Lord of your life. Something to think about. We must reflect the life of Jesus. That's why he saved you. To be the Image bearer. You are made in the image of God. For what purpose? To bear his image to all people everywhere. We must do it. We must reflect the life of Jesus. Submit and live in obedience to the holy God of the Bible. That's what we need to do. Some of you would run right out of some problems in your life if you would just do that. Sometimes problems come your way when you do that because the devil hates your guts. And he pours on the heat, boy. He'll do it. He'll do it every time. Here's another question. If the God of the Bible is your God, and He created you, amen, and He gifted you, amen, and He saved you, amen, He redeemed you, empowered you to glorify God, then what right do you have doing as you please? You have no right to do what you please if God is who He says He is and who you say He is in your life. Quit doing what you want, what you desire. Do what God desires for you. God challenges all of us to go, to do, to give. On and on and on. Ministry, witnessing. In our conduct, our conduct should be about God and Jesus. Our conversation should be about God. Our character, man, you should should be... Shining Jesus everywhere you go. I ain't saying being a freak or goofball or nothing like that. Love Jesus. Let Jesus work through your heart and your life. Let God use you for the lives and the benefit of others. That's how you serve the living Lord. Wherever he leads, you should say, I'll go, right? The moment you trusted Jesus, he became your life for eternity. How awesome is that? How are you going to keep from Him your commitments? You can't keep your commitments from Him. Listen, don't keep from Him your commitments. Commit to Jesus. Let He be your sole commitment. And when you do that, all your other commitments that you have to have will fall in line because you're going to do what God leads you to do. God's not going to lead you down a path of wrong direction. He always leads down the path of what's best for you. Let God lead you down what's best for you. You become what? To ministry, service. You become what? A witness, sharing, Jesus. Believe God, worship him. Folks, this is our mission. Believe God, worship. Belong together. Man, let us learn together. is what we're doing here this morning. Why? Why do we learn? To do what I just talked about today. To become what? Become his servant leading others to what? The cross of Christ. Being light in a very dark world. That's getting darker every day. Are you going to be that light? You may be. Listen to this, folks. Listen. You, you, all of you, may be the only Jesus that a person will ever hear or see. You. You. We've got a whole community. Some of you live in this community. You know how many people are in this community? About fourteen to 20,000 people in this community. How many of them know Jesus? How many of them know Jesus? How many of them does Jesus know them? That's the real question. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we just thank you for this time where we can come together with you right now. Lord, like I said, we may be the only Jesus that somebody will ever see, ever, in this life. And Lord, I can't assume everybody in this sanctuary knows you as Savior of their life. I pray that everybody knows you as Savior. But Lord, you know who's your sa- uh, who you've saved. You know who, uh, Lord, is not uh, their Savior. You know who it is. So it's my prayer, Lord, this morning that right where they sit, that if they don't know you as Savior, they've never, never taken that first step. Lord, that they would take that first step this morning and they would say, Lord Jesus, I truly don't remember a time in my life where I asked you to be my Savior. But Lord, right now, I feel that you're pulling on my heartstrings and that, Lord, I want you to be my Savior this morning. So if that's you, just pray a simple little prayer. I can't pray you into heaven. Only you can pray you and talk to Jesus with a sincere heart and know that you're going to heaven for sure. Just somebody say, Lord Jesus, I'm nothing. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord, I come to you because I believe and know that you are my Savior. Lord, I come to you because I believe, I know that you came from heaven and you lived your life and you laid your life down on the cross voluntarily with a mission to die to save my soul today. Lord, I ask you, as humble as I know how, Lord, I don't deserve to be saved, but Lord, I I thank you, Jesus, for laying your life down on the cross and shedding your blood for me. And Lord, I ask you to come into my heart right now. I ask you to be my Savior, my Lord. Come into my heart and life this morning, God. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know all the answers, but I know that you died for me and that's good enough for me. Come into my heart, Jesus, and save me from my sin, from everything I've ever done wrong in my past, today, and tomorrow. I thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and rescuing me from myself and from my sin. I trust you right now. I turn my life over to you, Jesus, and I turn it around and chase after you, God, so that I would become the servant you've called me to be, so that I would become the witness you've called me to be. Lord, come into my heart, Jesus. I thank you for saving me this morning. And Lord, there are people here that are saved. But Lord, they've been saved from the very beginning. But Lord, it's another thing that they may, maybe have never ever come to you and say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. Lord, lead me and guide me in what you would have me to do. Lord, I've, I'm 70 years old. I'm 80 years old. I'm 60 years old. I'm 50 years old. And Lord, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. And Brother Phil kind of pointed out some things. Lord, forgive me this morning for not hearing your voice or not taking time to hear your voice. But Lord, I'm answering to you right now. God, use me. I know who you are. I want to know why I'm here specifically. And God, I ask you to forgive me for not asking that question this morning. Come into my heart, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I know that you are faithful to forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. I ask you, Jesus, right now as a believer, Lord, here I am. Send me. Use me. Whatever that looks like. Father, I thank you for all these folks in here all the folks online it's my prayer this morning God that they would take your word seriously and do a self evaluation of themselves Lord I don't want nobody to go to a grave half or three quarters or 99% full of potential that they never used because maybe they just didn't understand but Lord today we can understand because your word is so clear You told Moses, Lord, you told Moses, you tell us the same thing. May we turn our eyes and hearts to you, and may we walk in the way that you called us to walk. Father, I thank you for this glorious day. I pray, Lord, that you lead us and guide us. Provide us with every opportunity to make much of you to somebody else once we walk through those doors to leave. Use us for your glory until we meet again. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I love y'all. Thank y'all. It's kind of a tough message this morning. But it's a good message because if we want to do ministry, we want to do witnessing, we want to be the church God has designed for us to be, then we need to really seriously think about individually and collectively what God has called us to do. I have cast a vision. I've given you the mission. Now, what are we going to do with that? And we've got a lot of people out there that are dependent. God is dependent on us to reach those people. We're his mouthpiece. Amen. I love you all very much. Uh, if any of you made a decision, I would love to meet with you as we leave here today. If you made a decision to trust Christ as your Savior, I would like to know that. It would be awesome. I want to help you on your next steps, okay? Amen. I love you. Give it up for Jesus. All right. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Sister Barbara, play us on out of here. That would be good. Thank you all.